is up, you beautiful people? This is Gary Horton. This is this is pro wrestling, and uh, we are coming to you live, talking about uh, AEW Double or Nothing. This is our live show, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, will. We, it's not usually this way that I am the really sober one, and I can tell that Will is <laughs> he's so giddy. Usually, he's not that giddy, and. Um, so well, I mean, it's been a while since we've been on after midnight. It is late. It is super late. So uh, thank you guys for being here. Everybody who's out there watching right now. Anybody in the chat, James Lawrence, I see you. I don't know why you're asking if there's no live picture feed. Maybe that was from earlier or something. But anyway, thank you, everybody, for joining us. And most of all, thank you to Tony Adams and Front Row who are joining us here today. Thank you, guys. It's good to see you. They're representing the Nation Show, which is uh, apt because uh, one of the founders of the Nation, uh, or I guess not the Nation, but Busted Open itself, Mark Henry made an appearance tonight. So uh, very cool. You guys uh, just were hanging out with Mark Henry. And uh, so we'll get to him in just a minute, I guess. Um, overall, let's do this just so we can do a, a, a roundabout uh what uh, thumbs up thumbs down thumbs in the middle what you what you guys think very very thumbs up yeah all right everybody gave it thumbs up no see for me like these things these aew shows are always just a whirlwind of excitement you know we're gonna have i'm sure some issues and some excitement we'll talk about but uh overall i really enjoyed the pay-per-view oh yeah I kind of felt the same way. I had a, uh, a a good time overall, and it seemed to fly by for me. It went pretty fast. I was uh, pretty impressed with, you know, for as long as it was, like I was having fun the entire time. I never felt bored or anything like that. So that's uh, that's solid to hear. But uh, we want to know what you guys think in the chat if you're out there. Uh, User said yes. Sting is goaded. I think Sting was probably already a goat. So, but yeah, Tony. Tony and Sting right there. Will and Sting. Okay, everybody's and Sting. I was pretty impressed with Sting. We'll, we'll talk about Sting in just a second. Uh, for the uh, recap here, I'm going to rely on Mr. Wade Keller over at PW Torch. He's the one I happen to pull up. And as a VIP subscriber to the Torch, he owes me this one. I didn't have to type anything. I just wanted to watch. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, all right, so the uh, buy-in show, we'll have to talk about that first off. Uh, Le- Serena D versus Riho, NWA Women's Championship. Uh, he just writes here, late in the match, Deep applied a Boston Crab. Riho reached the bottom rope to force a break. Deep t- took Riho down with an inverted dragon screw. Riho leveraged Deep down for a surprise leverage near fall. She went for a crucifix, but Deep slipped out, slammed Riho's knee into the canvas several times, applied a half crab with torque on the knee for a tap out when winner, Deep. 14 minutes to retain the NWA title. I'm probably not going to read all these for every single one. We'll give the the, the overview. But uh, he says here he thought it was a really good start to finish match with back and forth action throughout. I am curious. Uh, we'll throw to you front row first. What did you think about Serena Deeb versus uh, Rio here? I mean, all of Serena Deeb's matches are technically sound. They're always exciting, and they're always really tight and physical. Um, for me, I think that this might have been my favorite Riho match since she's been in AEW. I think, you know, we often say that the best the best performers um, make people work up to their level. And I felt like Riho really had to work up to Serena Deeb's level. And I think she did. I really think she did. 
Tony, do you feel that same way? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Serena Deeb's intensity was just unmatched tonight at the at the match. I mean, it. She showed a fire. I mean, she the past few matches she's had, I've noticed that she's shown a new intensity. Like she's just happy to be back off that injury, and uh, she won that. I mean, she made sure you knew who she was tonight. Will, how'd you feel about this NWA Women's Championship matchup? It was phenomenal. I mean, I tweeted out after the match. I said that was <laughs> that was a main event disguised as a pre-show match because it, it really was. Um, I mean, any other, not not even any other show. I mean, it, it could have made have been any show out there. And, and for a, a prize as prestigious as the Burke, um, it should be. And so I think it was two women worthy of being in that match. Serena Deeb uh, reminding us of why she's worthy of holding that title. And um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what comes off of this. You know, we've got when our shadows fall uh, coming up and – about a week or so, right? So um, we'll see how that plays out, if, if there's any implications there. But, man, what a great match. Yeah, I was uh, I was tweeting, I think, during the time. I was like, uh, listen, Thunder Rosa and Camille got to eat. They just got to know what meal they're being served. So uh, now we know Serena Deeb hung on to it. And I don't know, she's getting a little more vicious herself. Uh, but I uh, – I found it to be a pretty good testament to the NWA that we just watched NWA power and uh, Camille and Thunder Rosa had an excellent match for the number one contendership. And then you come right over here to AEW and Serena Deeb and Riho uh, really took it to each other. And uh, just, it, it, it says a lot for the NWA title. I think uh, these two or that such great matches happen around it. So I was as an NWA fan, I was happy with that. Uh, the first match on the main pay-per-view card, though, was, uh, and by the way, just uh, I guess to start off here, let's just say how good it is to have people back in a building, because that was the first thing I noticed, just even as the announcers came on, it just felt, it felt, it just, I just got country on you, sorry, uh, it just, <laughs> it just felt like pro wrestling is supposed to feel. Um, I, I was just, oh man, I don't know. I got goosebumps just here in the crowd, just going crazy. And, uh, and it would hit even harder here, uh, when we go into this first match, Brian Cage versus Hangman Adam Page. And, uh, Brian Cage came out, and that was one thing. He looked like a badass and whatever it was that he had on. And mm -hmm. then, uh, but when Hangman Adam Page came out, that crowd just blew up. And if you were ever wondering if Hangman was over, you found out here. <laughs> and, uh, these guys just had a hell of a match themselves, just going at it here. And uh, the, um, I don't know, it's kind of interesting just seeing uh, the, the the outcome here. They're just back and forth. Uh, you even got to see Brian Cage attempt the uh, uh, buckshot lariat. And uh, then, but Ricky Starks and Hook come out. Uh, Starks threw Cage a belt. Cage threw it back at Starks and said he didn't need it. Cage threw Hangman over the top rope, turned and yelled at Hook. Hangman this surprise Cage when he turned around with a buckshot lariat for the win. Son of a bitch, exclaimed Taz. He said he turned down the help after he was getting his ass kicked. Excalibur pushed back at Taz's framing of the situation. Uh, winner Hangman Page in 12 minutes. Uh, Wade Keller says here, really good match. Elevated with a red-hot crowd. The hints of a Cage baby face turn took a big step in that direction. Uh, we'll go in to Tony first. Tony, what did you think of Cage versus 
Hangman Adam Page. I thought it was a great opening bout for the main card. <clears throat> uh, like you said, uh, Page's uh, ring attire was awesome. Reminded me of Triple H uh, wearing that uh, WrestleMania, that WrestleMania match. Can't remember which WrestleMania it was. But, uh, I mean, it was a great match back and forth, and Hangman got the pop, you know, from the crowd. I mean, he always he's always been over in the crowd's eyes, I think. And uh crowd, like I said earlier, the crowd's definitely been missed. And uh, I think we saw the teasing of uh, uh, the group, the Taz's group, uh, breaking up tonight. Teasing, teasing the breakup. We'll just see what happens on Dynamite. Yeah, front row, how'd you feel overall with this one? I mean, it was a good match. I think for me, Brian Cage, you know, he gets it done in the ring. He's a big badass. We know he knows who he is in the ring. I, I still don't connect with him as a character. Like, I'm still not sure what he's all about. But I mean, once he gets once he gets in there, it's it's all go. Um, I did like it looked like he was teasing a buckshot lariat, which was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, Adam Page, you know, thwarted him early on. But um, we've seen Hangman Adam Page here at Ring of Honor and 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 coming up in through AEW, he just, I don't know why he's not a world champion at this point. The, the day is coming where he's going to be AEW world champion. Right. That feels right. I mean, that feels what they're leading to. Will, uh, did you feel like this boosted Hangman and what yeah. did it do for Cage? Like, how'd you feel about it? Yeah, I think it helped both men. I think that um, I agree with Front Row uh, when it comes to Brian Cage. I mean, I think he's he's a beast. He looks like the personification of, of pro wrestling when he's in the ring. I mean, just the muscled up dude. But uh, in a similar vein, I, I don't I don't really I don't have like an, a, an emotional tie in with him when it comes to, you know, his character or persona. And I think the cool thing was with the the evolution of this match and the story that they told in the ring um i think i'm starting to get that now because there's definitely an element to him that's evolving where he you know he he was really big on going in there and doing this legit didn't want outside help you know he's part of a faction but he was like i got this guys and when they did try to still interfere uh, he pushed it off. You know, he had the opportunity to do the underhanded thing and he didn't. So, you know, we've we've got the age old story of is he developing a conscience all of a sudden? Does he you know, is he not gelling with with the vibe? And I thought Taz on commentary did a great job of helping tell the story that was happening. So it was, the match itself was a cool experience. But overall, yeah, I mean, my takeaway is hangman is over. Hangman is world champion caliber and my hope is that this was the first step into what we're going to see in the coming months of hangman climbing his way to that that aew world title because i think he's 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 as good as anybody to dethrone kenny omega at this point so i, I would love to see it yeah i saw the comment from james lawrence in the chat there just mentioning that hangman's uh better than opening match but my thought was that I mean, who better to to get the crowd going like right at the beginning of the actual show? Uh, now, I mean, you had Dave and Riho to kind of warm it up, but once the actual show hit, I mean, Cage and and Page like they they brought it uh, and yeah. really amped up the crowd. I thought that that it was actually a perfect spot for him right this second. We've talked we've talked to you know a lot, not bragging, but we've talked to a lot of talent, and I know uh, you guys over on the Nation Show have talked to a lot of wrestlers yourself and one of the things that you know you hear a lot is you either want to go on first or last <laughs> you either want to be the main event 
or you want to be the one that gets the crowd going. And so I think that was an intentional thing because uh, Hangman is such a, an over star in the company and in pro wrestling that they knew. And I told Gary in the pre-show, I remember saying that um, we did a, a preview over on Instagram live. And I told him, I thought that the first thing you would hear would be Hangman's music. And then we heard Cage's music. Uh, it turned out to be better though, because it was kind of the lead up. You got this like badass entrance from, from behind Cage. And then as soon as you heard Hangman's music, you were ready for it. And it was just a huge pop. So I, I think it was a great choice for a first match. Yeah, Will, and to your point, that's something that Bully Ray always says on, on Busted Open. Like, you want to be first or you want to be last. If you can't be last, be first. And this match, the story didn't command a main event spot. This story mm-hmm. being told in this match was not, if you're not going to close the show with it, then obviously you want to open the show. And the energy, I was happy for those guys that they get to feel the energy of that opening match. And you could see it on their face too, man. Like, you could see them, like, they, they were happy to be in front of that crowd, and, and it was just pumping them up. So it was cool. Uh, we did get one question in the chat I wanted to point out. Uh, who's that sexy dude in the red hat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not me. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I checked my color, too. Like, oh, no, no, it's Death Tony. I mean, my camera's, <laughs> camera's a little off. This is red, too, but you can't. <laughs> it's just the, it's the weird color correction that StreamYard <laughs> does when we go in. Uh, yeah. Anyway, lots of lots of love for the show. Uh, people happy to see the Nation Show. On this is pro wrestling. Awesome. Yeah, right. we're happy to have the Nation Show represented. These are our boys. Uh, let's see here. So let's jump into the next one. Wade Keller uh, talks about the uh, video package that aired on the Young Bucks. And uh, he, he just made a comment here that just is a fa- fantastic segment on the Bucks that aired here. And that the Bucks just appear to be so comfortable and entertaining in this role that they're in now. And, uh, and that Moxley was tremendous talking about how he never liked them from the second he first met them. And uh so that leads into the Young Bucks, Matt, uh, Nick Jackson versus John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. And man, you want to talk about another wild crowd pop when that wild thing hit. My God, those people went nuts and you could see it in those guys. Like you could see like John Moxley, like throwing chairs and just you could tell he was just feeling it. Like there was just yeah. no stopping him. And uh, and this match, it was it was Great back and forth and a lot of action. I know we're going to get into this a little bit about this is the first of a couple of tag team matches that just seemed to have no rules whatsoever. They didn't announce it was no DQ, but they just didn't. <laughs> but um, nonetheless, I had a lot of fun with this one myself, um, watching these guys go at it. And uh, I was, I don't know, halfway through, I think in our Discord, uh, as we were talking, I was kind of like, man, I didn't expect Mox and Kingston to win it, but now I kind of want them to. Like I was... I was feeling it and that was, and I'll give AEW credit that that was the story on every title match uh, during this show. Like if there were people that I just fully expected would win, but for some, some way, somehow they got me believing there was a chance there was something that could happen to make something change with the title situation. Um, but anyway, Keller here gives this one actually, I mean, this is the highest rating. He gave Deeb and Riho like three and a half and, Cage and Page three and a half. He gives us four and a half stars out of five. 
um, on the uh, tag team matchup here. He says, uh, first of all, great tag match. The crowd ate it up all the way. Yes, there were some instances of ridiculous recoveries and no selling major moves. But in this case, it really was within the flow leading the climat- leading to the climactic clean finish. And it worked. Interesting that Mox took the fall rather than Kingston, who is the lesser star of the two by far. Eddie looked like he belonged in there, though, and he added to the match. Um, for me, that was that was the big one for me. That was uh, Eddie Kingston. I was just so happy to see him finally get to be, because he's he's only been there, it feels like, during the pandemic era, I believe, kind of. So it just, uh, he, he's built his star, and, and us as NWA fans, we've seen him come up through there. We know what the guy can do, and to see him just perform like he did on such a huge stage, I'm sure he... He felt it. I was I was kind of happy that Mox took the fall if somebody had to because I was just like, all right, Mox is that's not going to do anything to Mox uh, here. But anyway, well, I'll, I'll throw to you first on this one, the, the tag team title match. I know this was the one you were looking most forward to. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> main event of the night for me going into it, um, I was the most excited about this match for sure. And I mean, for the most part, it delivered. I feel like uh, and, and we had a, a lot of talk about this in our discord but you know we're we're primarily fans of the nwa where we have we lean towards you know historic uh kind of prize fight um feel for wrestling and we value things like rules and stuff like that but we understand in aew it's it's different they have a different approach we're not trying to make aew nwa you know what i mean because if that was the case why would we need multiple promotions so the match itself was entertaining there was several spots just being honest where you know i did have that thought and i think jr was even talking about it on commentary was like is there no rules here like can anyone just be in the ring whenever like um but i mean all of it was part of a greater story so it was all uh very much uh you know entertaining and i know that that can be a a dirty word in our circle when we're talking about wrestling sometimes, but it was, it was very entertaining. It was very fun to watch. I was engaged for, you know, the entire match bell to bell. And um, I'm with you, man. I, I thought, I thought it was peculiar that Moxley took the pin, but I think you're right. I mean, he's the one guy in the match that could take that pin and not feel it essentially in terms of his uh, position and his, his prestige. Um, so I think it was great. I, I love seeing Eddie in that match and seeing him get that shine and seeing him, um, you know, associated with those guys because I think he's on their level, both both in the ring and on the mic. He is on their level. Um, so I'm glad he's finally getting that that position and that shine that he deserves. Um, but I mean, I didn't think the Bucks were going to lose. I think I told you that before the match. Um, I didn't know if it was going to be. You know what kind of finish we would see um but man i mean it was a hard fought match and it was back and forth and everyone in that match uh looked like they needed to be there and had had an axe to grind and it was just really engaging i enjoyed it yeah how'd you feel about it front row yeah i think i i agree with will you know we do tend to have an, an nwa bias you know having seen eddie kingston in, in the nwa studios and stuff but I've often been critical of AEW not telling cohesive stories, but I felt like the the episodes of Dynamite and the the promos leading up to this match, but with Eddie and and Mox, have been outstanding, and and they really made me believe like tonight was going to be the night for them. Like I genuinely thought that they were going to win, and and the story they told in the match was that it was a real possibility. Um, you know, there were some spots there where 
yeah, okay, they were in the, the, the bucks were in the ring and the ref was counting to five and 10 and 20 and 100 and whatever. Um, but I kind of quickly got past that because there was some actual psychology there. So um, I think anytime you're in the ring with John Moxley, you have to bring a little little more physicality. So I thought the match was actually much more fun than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Tony, your thoughts? Oh, man. You said you hit it. You hit it on the head a while ago when you talked about the, the, the entrance song coming in. Wild thing. I think I heard them all the way over here in South Dakota. I heard the crowd all the way over here. I mean, the, the I'm telling you, the crowd was just on fire from beginning to end the whole night. I mean, it, it was just an amazing, amazing atmosphere, and it made the pay-per-view just much better than I ever intended it, thought it would be. Um, but the match itself, I mean, just full of action. Um, you saw it all over Mox's face on the way to the ring, you know. And um, you looked at Eddie Kingston's face on the way down, and you could just see he was just taken aback by the by the pop and the and the, the excitement. But once it started, I mean, it was just it was just amazing. Um, the Bucks are really doing a great job at being heels. Um, they just they just carry their themselves arrogance. The, the, the Nikes they wear, the outfits they wear. I mean, we were talking a while earlier about the, I can't, don't know if it was Nick or Matt has the nose piercing or whatever. Uh, it, anything, any little thing they can do to just be, you know, prickish, you know. So, um, but it, but it was a definitely good match. I like the uh, hot tag thing that oh, yeah. uh, Nick played around with. Just, uh, it was, I don't know that one. That one got under my skin a little bit. I was just like, oh, "Would you stop it, you jerk? Like, what are you doing? You're such an ass." Um, but yeah, it, I thought it was a great match too. And I know we're gonna, you know, we we talked a little bit about the uh, James Lawrence talking about the typical Bucks match, bury the ref, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, in AEW, like we we noticed even in the later tag team match, there were not many rules. I didn't notice it as much in this one for some reason, and I think it was just because they went like ten minutes of the match just fighting and brawling before they even had two people in the ring to start right. the match. And uh, so and it, it just never hit me in this one for some reason. And, uh, and I, maybe that's even what Wade Keller was talking about in his review of it, that he just, uh, that it actually just worked in the uh, story of the match. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, the next up thing, um, I'll try to run this down as quick as I can here. It was the casino battle Royal battle Royale. I guess they were very clear about this time. Uh, Big Show came out to do guest commentary. I thought for sure he was going to be the mystery guy. I kind of had him pegged. Um, a lot of people were picking Andrade. And um, anyway, but yeah, I, and, and still somebody mentioned even in the suit, he could still end up being the guy. So I guess he was always there in the back of my mind. But uh, first out were uh, the group of Christian, Matt Seidel, Powerhouse Hobbs, Dustin Rhodes, and Max Caster. Max Caster doing his regular rap thing, uh, talking about Christian used to be cool, but more when he had more edge and uh, yeah, just um, made fun of Seidel for tripping and slipping. Dustin needs to paint his whole face, um, that whole thing. So it, did he, it made him a pretty early target. Uh, he, he did manage to get Seidel out, but Christian uh, battled around and tossed Caster finally at number two. And uh, then he got the next five out. You got Matt Hardy, uh, Preston, Vance, is that his name? Um, and then Nick Camarado, Serpinico, um, all of those guys. Uh, Serpinico got eliminated. Camarado got eliminated. Then Vance got eliminated. 
then uh, Hobbs, Dustin, and anyway, the next five out were Brian Pillman Jr., Griff Garrison, Anthony Bowens, Penta, El Cerro Miedo, and uh, Colt Cabana. And uh, I'm not going to go through the eliminations anymore. You'll just we'll just get it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, then you got Jungle Boy, and you got Mark Quinn, Eva Luno, Lee Johnson, and uh, there you go. The final mystery person happened to be Leo Rush, which was a nice little surprise there. Um, and uh, they mentioned he was big on New Japan, but they didn't mention MLW, which I thought was strange because he just came off of being their uh, middleweight <laughs> champion. But uh, anyway, there you go. Eliminations happen. I was hoping we would get down to Jungle Boy and Christian, and uh, you ended up getting there with Matt Hardy, who was the other person that felt like probable or like that could win the matchup but it just felt like out of everybody jungle boy and uh christian made the most sense in a match with omega right now and uh, i really thought that christian might be heelish and toss jungle boy at some point or do something shady but that did not happen jungle boy managed to stay alive and uh, in a pretty impressive back and forth between the two and get Christian out all on his own and win the battle Royale, which I think he was in the final couple last year. Wasn't he? I think, I think that's right. But um, anyway, jungle boy celebrated uh, with Luchasaurus and Marco stunt Christian approached him and then they hugged and did their pep talk and, everything uh keller here says a uh, really fun battle royal just enough and not too much in terms of moments and key spots really well laid out and executed the crowd was very much on jungle boy's side when it came down to him and christian which aew certainly knew when they booked those two as the final two in this match having christian congratulate him rather than turn on him can help fans who haven't yet warmed up to christian as not getting over pushed and in the way of someone like they like more needless to say at this point paying for the rights to the jungle boy entrance theme was worth every penny same for moxley's wild thing the crowds have always been a big part of aew's brand and vibe and tonight it's reminding everyone of that i'll fill in some of the elimination oh uh, yeah but anyway so he goes on um i'm sorry i keep doing this because i'm just like i haven't read this previously so i don't know how much of it i'm gonna say and how much i'm not I'm just like all right you get the point um but yeah, I didn't even think about what he was saying there. Is like it, it could also warm people up to Christian that it's like, oh, you just brought in this WWE guy to over push him. And it's like, no, he's he just put over Jungle Boy. So maybe maybe it works in that way too. I, I don't know, Tony. What what do you think? What do you think of the Battle Royal and how'd you feel about everything? I loved it, man. Uh, the high spot for me was Penta's uh, ring gear come out in the Joker colors. That, that was amazing, and uh, the the surprise with Leo Rush. Um, got a got a pretty big pop from us on Zoom. Uh, seeing him come in and do his stuff, man. Uh, I figured he would last a little longer than he did, but it was it was great to see Leo Rush, and uh, we'll see what he can do going forward. Um, but uh, yes, Jungle Boy, the moment with him winning the match, um, it was a very emotional uh, moment. Uh, I witnessed firsthand. Uh, made uh, Deb Housen cry on on Zoom. She 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 felt. Uh, that victory for Jungle Boy. I mean, he deserves that. Um, it's his time to see what, what he can do. Um, honestly, I think, uh, you know, I think Jungle Boy, you know, I don't know how y'all feel about Luchasaurus and uh, the other one that's with him, but I, I, I just... Uh, well, I think that gives away how you feel about him. Right. The other one that's with him. Yeah, I think I'd like to see Jungle Boy on his own and see what he can do. But that's how I feel about it. I, I liked it. 
pretty good battle royal. Uh, Will, what do you think? I thought it was great. I mean, I, I kind of, and I was talking about this in our chat, but like, you know, Christian coming out first. I know it was a group, but it really did make me think of of Edge coming out first in the Rumble and the, you know, the similarities there. And I was like, man, if he goes on to win it, like, uh, but I think they were banking on us maybe thinking about that and uh, coming down to him in the final two, but uh, Jungle Boy taking it. So I thought it was great, man. It was a great uh, feel-good moment, I think, for everybody. I mean, I don't think there's anybody out there that's like, oh, gosh, Jungle Boy won. That sucks. Like, uh, we're all happy about it, and um, it's going to be great to see. Uh, they did announce that, that that title match is happening in two weeks on Dynamite, so we have that to look forward to, which would be pretty great. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Tony. I think, you know, I like I like the the – what do they call themselves the Jurassic Express or whatever? Um, but you know, I think Jungle Boy has star power on his own. I think he's got what it takes to to go out there and do it on his own. And um, you know, doesn't doesn't mean I don't want those other two guys to to do anything. They can do do it on their own as well. Um, but I do think it's time, you know, for Jungle Boy to kind of carve out his own spot and uh just kind of go at it as a singles competitor, not part of a faction. I think that would be the best move. And, you know, it may not be this, this year or, uh, or whatever, but, you know, I fully believe, I mean, he's one of the guys he's, he's going to be a champion. Um, and it's just a matter of time at this point. So. Yeah. I always feel like jungle boy is going to be a star. I believe he's going to be a champion, all of those things. Um, you know, I, I don't know that he's like, I mean, this is just me, but I, I don't know that he's like going to get moved right in that position right now. They've got a lot of people in those positions. So at least with the faction, it gives them something right this second. But maybe you're right. Maybe it's time to go ahead and pull the Band-Aid off or something like that, too. So um, I guess we're going to see what they uh, what they do. Front row, uh, give you a chance there to express your thoughts or just emotions, whatever. Well, I'm happy currently. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> No, but just to, to touch on the New Japan thing, I think I think that was specifically highlighted as a reference to Tony Khan's promo for New Japan uh, and their relationship, you know, their anti-WWE promo from Friday. Um, and it wasn't the first of, of those. You know, we, we heard Max Caster reference Edge, and then, of course, during the Young Bucks match, they did do the uh, the Shield and Roman Reigns stuff. So um, I think that, that, that it's an interesting thing. We'll see how that unfolds. But I think as far as the match goes, Man, if you want to talk about the quintessential, like the, what's the best way to use a legend, Christian showed you exactly how you use a legend to elevate young talent. Um, and his fingerprints are all over that match and the psychology, um, especially in the last, you know, the closing minutes. I thought it was, I'm not typically a fan of Battle Royals, but I thought it was incredibly well done. Uh, some of those near falls and, and, you know, close calls at the end. It was super exciting and really, really well done. I, I do wonder what they're going to do with Christian moving forward because um, he did give Jungle Boy a lot of love at the end of that match. I kind of wish he had attacked him or something to sort of let us know where they're headed, but I guess we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I think I think there's going to be more to their story, and uh, and it would probably be honestly really good for Jungle Boy to get into some action with Christian on a regular basis. A lot would rub off there. I think that Christian's got a lot of knowledge, and and Jungle Boy needs you know just that 
little extra mentorship. Not that he's not amazing right now. Also, I still stand by JR. People give him crap all the time that he likes to try to slip in the Jack Perry thing. But I really believe that JR is trying to help the guy along that like having his actual name out there it gives a lot of extra layers to jungle boy you know besides just that name especially by the way once he gets into his 40s he's probably gonna need to stop stop yeah doing and, that. and gary i don't know for folks who may or may not know and mark henry talked about this on on bust open recently there are a handful of people that the undertaker goes to for for advice for psychology in a match christian is one of them so to have that person in your locker room is is just is incredible excellent yeah, oh, yeah. That, I, I didn't even know that that's cool um let's see next up on the card we had uh anthony agogo and he's with qt marshall and he takes on cody rhodes uh who of course is escorted by arn anderson and uh i I mean, for me, this match right off the bat, I just have to say props to Anthony Agogo. I did not expect him to go as much in the ring. I expected more bells and whistles or, you know, things to cover up the actual match itself. But these guys did have an actual wrestling match and uh, some good stuff. Um, now, I will say, uh, Mr. Keller here, uh, by the way, Cody uh, wins the match. Uh, let's see. He says, uh, uh a go-go turn Cody over, forcing Cody to release. A go-go counter. Cody and landed two punches, one to the body, one to the jaw. A go-go got Cody in a gut wrench toss for a two count. Ross talked up how hard a go-go has trained for the last 18 months. Cody came back with a vertebraker for the three count. That's what I was looking for is how did he win? And uh, so, but Keller here only gives it one and a half stars. Uh, for this match. He says uh, that worked pretty well in terms of ring work. Gogo is green, but pulled off what he intended to do without embarrassing himself. A credit to both him and, of course, Cody, too. I'm curious where they go from here with Gogo. He didn't seem super heelish, but he was cocky at various times. The problem is the crowd just didn't seem to care as much. They were happy to see Cody, but they didn't seem invested at all in the storyline, which was heavy-handed and grandiose. Not particularly well-built Cody worked very hard to get the crowd cheering for him after the match. Uh, so uh, I guess uh, front row, I'll throw to you first on this one. Um, what do you agree with Keller there, or like how do you feel about the the Cody and Agogo match? No, I mean I really enjoyed this. I first heard Anthony Agogo on a, a UK podcast. Uh, he's been a wrestling fan all his life um, a few years ago, and to me, this even though it isn't, it really felt like a celebrity match. Like I had the expectations of a celebrity match. Um, I knew he's been training and all that stuff, but I thought that. He did an incredible job. I, I don't think anybody could have asked any more from this guy um, for such a high-profile match with a guy like Cody. Tony, what about you? Man, Agogo really came out. You know, he, you know, he played up the, you know, did his job as a heel. You know, uh, especially on Memorial Day weekend, bringing out the British flag. You know, waving it out. I mean, you know, as rabid as that crowd was, you know, he was gonna get, he was gonna get what he wanted out of that. Um, but I thought the match was pretty good. It had some spots in it. Um, you know, crowd was definitely into it. Um, I just didn't understand, the, you know, when Cody won with the vertebraker, I, I didn't understand that. I mean, I, I just didn't understand that finish. But, I mean, you know, it got the results you wanted. But uh, just didn't understand uh, what why that moved for the finish. But other than that, I mean, it was great. I thought it was great. Well. 
Uh, I'll be 100% honest. This was the match that I took a break on um, because I, this might be this. Yeah, I took a vertebrake. Um, this might be AEW sacrilege, but I, I just Cody doesn't get me there anymore. Like I, it's kind of, and especially with this feud, I do feel like it was overhyped and you know, that's, it is what it is. I mean, there's always going to be one or two in every pay-per-view um, for me. And, and it sounds like according to Wade Keller, I, I made the right choice, but this was when I went hung out with my wife for a little bit, took a little break, got some more drinks and um, came back and Cody was in the crowd celebrating. So I, th- I think it was a foregone conclusion to me that he was going to win. So I didn't really feel like I was going to miss anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like the match accomplished its purpose. It, you know, got America over on Memorial Day weekend, which of course you got to do. And uh, Cody's the guy to do it. So, yeah. Holy crap. You know, like I never thought about that. Um <laughs> Just the whole entire time. Also, I'm sorry that I threw it to you. You make me very sad. Um, but the, the uh, no, but um, I, I, I'm I'm an idiot. I know, and legitimately, I, I wondered when they build up this American and British thing. I was like, why are you doing this? This is weird. This is like the school thing. And I, and even tonight, like I I remember thinking it was odd a week or so ago when Cody gave that whole speech and being like, what is this like it's just it's anthony and gogo it's not like some ultimate feud like you've been waiting for it's not you versus omega right now and you're like going in on him and uh but uh yeah i guess they really were probably trying to build up memorial day or something that was probably the whole point of it and i never that never hit me so i'm sorry to everyone that i didn't think of our country in this time of need all right (laughs) The um, <laughs> um, did people were getting mad at me? I feel like uh, front row. I know you were in our Discord. I was uh, I was joking around. I was like, let's be real though. Cody's a psychopath, right? Like people were getting <laughs> mad at me about that. <laughs> I was like, he's. <laughs> but it just feels like there's like this. You know, Keller used the word grandiose, but like the entrance and the outfit. And I was a little disappointed because he was going to be one night only American dream and he didn't come out in polka dots. I was very disappointed by that. I was like, come on, polka dots are GTFO, Cody. <laughs> like, <I don't... laughs> but, uh, but yeah, anyway, Cody just, uh, he, he's got, there's something about him that like he, there's this like long standing belief there's like this feud with like Triple H or something, but it's also like there's parts of him I'm thinking like, man, he he really is still building the feud with Triple H or something. Like he, he just feels like kind of the same things that I, I don't know. I don't want to talk trash about Cody. I don't know him, but anyway, I'm just saying there's some weird stuff here. He'd eat Triple H's heart if it, he knew it would give him powers, is all I'm saying. <laughs> So you have uh, to remember something that uh, Nick Alder said on our show recently, and that's the lines between the companies are imaginary, imaginary lines made up by the fans, and that anything can happen if the business is right. So I think they're this is the long game. Yeah, great. You may be right. Uh, so the next up was a big Haas fight that I was looking forward to quite a bit. And uh, I think they delivered Miro versus Lance Archer TNT title match. And uh Again, this is one of those where uh, I mentioned this before, but you know, I didn't. I thought it was too soon for Miro to lose, but Lance Archer came out looking 
strong and I knew he would. It's just, I don't know. There were moments where he had actually had me. I was like, man, Lance is about to win this. And then you think about Lance Archer, you're like, he's a big, tough guy. And it, it, it takes everything for somebody to ever beat him if they can beat him. And, uh, and so it's like, what's Miro going to do here? But, uh, they, I think they had a solid finish. I think this is actually the second time in a title match Lance Archer's had this touch to him where he gets locked up in something, can't get out, and he just passes out rather than taps or gets pinned. But I suppose that makes sense for, for Lance. Uh, Ten minutes, ref stoppage, and uh, Miro retains the TNT title. Um and uh, Keller says, uh, three stars. This wasn't nearly as long as other matches, but it totally worked for its place on the card and the style of fighting, which was all out from the start with big moves. Ross saying he wants to see it again might indicate they're going to continue with this despite Miro's clean win in this first match. Good to see AEW going with clean finishes. Uh, so there you go. And uh, I guess, Will, I'll throw this one to you first. Did you, did, were you back by this point? <laughs> yeah. Think about it once yes, your wife long enough. Okay. <laughs> yes, I was. Uh, no, this was a great match. Um, we talked about this again a little bit on our, our preview and I was in the same, same boat, man. I mean, it's like a toss up. I mean, you got two guys that, I mean, you know, theoretically Lance Archer should never lose. He's a beast. You know, he is, he is a dangerous guy. Um, but, uh, you know, it does make sense that, you know, he didn't get pinned. He didn't submit, you know, of his own free will. Uh, he was taken down. And you forget, too, I mean, because of the way that um, he's been booked since he's been in AEW, that that Miro is is a beast himself. I mean, he's a dangerous guy himself. And so I think seeing those two in the ring together like that in this in this position really uh, felt big. And the other thing I said that you just mentioned that, um, I was happy about was that the match didn't go super long because I think this was one of the matches that it really, if it had gone longer than 11, 12 minutes, I think it would have exposed, you know, some stuff and it wouldn't have gone, you know, been near as effective. So I think the timing of the match and the, and the pacing of the match was perfect. Um, but ultimately I'm glad Miro came out, you know, retaining the title. I think he's got a lot more work to do with that TNT title and to uh, establish himself and uh, build up some other feuds. And, and I, I'm with JR. I wouldn't mind seeing this match again. I wouldn't mind seeing this feud continue. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think I think twenty minutes would be way too long for a match like this. Uh, it just, oh, yeah. you know, these guys are supposed to brawl and just beat the hell out of each other until one of them can't go anymore. But anyway, Tony, what what do you think about it? Great big man match. I mean, both the, both of them look great. Um, I would like to say uh, by the end of the match, we had the perfect Lagreca head sighting right there, uh, <laughs> there behind Miro. So uh, it was awesome. I know Dave popped. Uh, but uh, but other than that, man, the, the match was good. It was long enough. It did what it needed to do. Uh, I agree that we need to see more of more of uh, Lance Archer and Miro in the future. Um, I don't know how long you can take this feud though, because uh, I mean, ultimately, you're going to have Darby Allen wanting wanting to, to get back at, for the title. Um, but you know, for a big man match, this was, this was an amazing match. What about you, Front Row? Yeah, I mean, for me, like when Miro debuted in AEW, um, we got to see the real person. We saw the gamer. We saw the fun personality, and I thought that was awesome. Um, but we needed to see more intensity and more, you know, more physicality from him. And recently, we've begun to see that. Um, you know, on the on the Busted Open podcast today, Dave was on site doing interviews, and he interviewed Miro, and he said, you know, now that AEW is your home, 
how do you feel? And he said, AEW is not my home. It's where I go to murder people. And then I go home and spend money. And <laughs> to me, that was like, okay, that's the guy that I want to see on TV. And we've been seeing that. And we saw more of that tonight. So I'm very happy with the direction they're going with Miro. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Lance Archer, but um, I did like the match. I did think the match was the right length and had the right amount of physicality to it. It is strange. Like, I don't know why they went with that version of Miro in the first place, because he seems like he is so comfortable in the role of just, he's so beastly. And even if he's not even as tall as a Lance Archer, the way he carries himself just makes him seem like the biggest guy in the room. Like he just is like, he's just a monster and uh, he he's so perfect at doing that. So I don't know why they were going to try to go with, I don't know, maybe they thought they had, a Lance Archer at first. <laughs> so they don't need Miro to do these current Miro things, but well, just um, real quick, I think because he had such a massive Twitch following for his gaming channel, I think yeah. they wanted to bring that character to TV. That, that makes sense. That, that could totally be it. You're, you're right. See, uh, so you jump right in whenever front row, you got Sorry. all the analysis. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, I'm trying to think of like conversation here. Cause Tony brought up another point I hadn't thought about, which is just like with Keller talking about, where do you go from here? And if, you know, maybe Ross is implying they're going to continue this feud, but yeah, Darby hasn't tried to come back for the TNT title. And um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. We didn't, you know, Ari Davis brought it up in the chat. So it's worth mentioning. Uh, I don't have any medical updates on that snake uh, in the bag that Miro threw across the room, but uh, <laughs> there's, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully the snake as well. <laughs> and, uh but uh, and poor Jake in general too. Like he's he's just getting pummeled by Miro. So there, there's plenty of fire you could keep the contest, like the competition between the two going. But yeah, what what happens with Miro? I wonder. Um, would you would you? Well, let, let me ask you guys. Would would you go with with more Lance, or would you go with the Darby, or would you just take him off somewhere else? I'd like to see, I'd like to see Lance get another shot at Miro. I mean, Lance is. Lance needs to be, I don't know, it's its like he's in the background here lately. I mean, yeah, he's been involved with the story, but he hasn't really done anything. And, and, and when he was on Dynamite, all you see is Jake holding back, holding back, holding back. Let him go, let him do, you know, you don't really need Jake there, in my opinion. You know? Yeah. Lance can talk for himself. I mean, Jake's just there because it's giving Jake something to do, in my opinion. And, I mean, Damien's a Hall of Famer. Why toss him across the room like that? <laughs> well uh tony i don't want to burst your bubble but damien died a long time ago when earthquake <laughs> got on him so i don't know what snake this continuity is <laughs> david passed away but uh anyway yeah. what about what about you will you had something to say there but like uh yeah i mean I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of this it's tough because i mean you know, I, I'm big on Lance Archer and what I believe he could be. I mean, you got a guy called Murder Hawk. That's like two of the most badass words put together. Like you got some high expectations there. So, I mean, I think, you know, they can definitely do a lot more with him. Um, I don't want him to become the guy that, that gets everyone over because yeah, he's a badass and then they make him pass out. Yeah, he's better than that. You know what I mean? So I think he needs some wins. He needs some shine. Uh, I don't think he necessarily needs to just, you know, swoop in and take Miro's TNT title, but uh, they got to have something for him. And, and if not, 
you know, I don't know. I mean, have him take a break, take a breather or something like that. But I think they, I think they recognize what they have in him. They're just maybe not sure what exactly to do with him right now. I think like to your point, it's too early to take the title off Miro. He, he's got to, you know, keep establishing that Uh, there's the Darby uh, situation, you know, of course, why would you not want a rematch and where does that go? So um, there's a lot of things up in the air, but ultimately I'd love to see, see Lance Archer shine in some way. Yeah. Um, you know, Vince and Callie pointing out in the chat, Archer has passed out in the last two title matches. I was wondering about that. I felt like I remembered that happening and uh, yeah, it's, 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 so they don't want to beat him. So like to, to what you guys are saying, I mean, they obviously care about him. It's not like they don't, want him to be successful it's just uh they they get him to a certain point and then it's like all right well now we got to back him up a little bit and uh and it's 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 tough because because i get it i mean you wrote yourself into a corner there with uh miro so you can't just go in and destroy miro right off the bat either so it's a it's a tough situation to be in there and uh yeah uh let's see here uh, Eric Dale, just uh, with the sentiments we all share, RIP John Tenta and Damian, may your rematch in the great big pay-per-view in the sky be epic. So they, uh, I'd like to think that Damian went and found uh, Earthquake or Earthquake went and found <laughs> Damian. And, uh, or the Macho Man. Or the Macho Man. There you go. Yeah, we'll see. That was after Damian because then Jake the Snake brought in the Cobra. That's right. Then, yes, yeah, that's latched on to, to Macho right. Man. So anyway. Jake's not had the best record with snakes, really, when you think about it. Uh, all right. Uh, then the next thing we got on here, oh, we got a video that hyped, uh, what was it, uh, All Out returning to Chicago, Labor Day, was that the one? And then there was one for Full Gear, too. I think that was later. But anyway, uh, interesting to see an announcement there. But uh, Hikaru Shida took on Dr. Britt Baker with Rebel. And, uh, man, uh, it was inevitable. The people were hyped. As soon as Britt Baker walked out, I even heard booze for Sheeta, which made me sad a little bit. I was uh, I was back and forth in our Discord during this discussion that, you know, I just don't want to see Sheeta lose her luster or not get the respect she deserves as the champion during this pandemic era. But I get it. There's momentum. Britt Baker's building and building and building, and people are ready for it to happen. Um, and, uh, anyway, there, there you go. Uh, there are a lot of interference from rebel, but it doesn't work back and forth. And, uh, you could have believed at any point it was dramatic and believable that any fall could have been the last one, but, uh, Baker ends up uh, going for a crucifix score, a uh, quick two count. She did apply her lock jaw for the tap out win, uh, Ross talked about it being a great match with a lot of great counters. Shivani gave Baker a hug on stage afterwards. Wade Keller gave it three and a half stars. Uh, his analysis, analysis here says, AEW isn't doing a lot of shenanigans, so if the point of doing all of that in this match was to try to turn the crowd against Baker before she won, I'm not sure why they had Shivani hug Baker afterwards and the announcers tout the quality of the match without talking about Baker using the belt as a weapon in the lead up to the finish. The match overall, though, was really exciting. Yes, there were a handful of sloppy or mistimed spots, but nothing that was a big deal to halt the fan investment in the action. Um, so uh, front row, I guess I'll throw to you first on this one. How'd you feel about it? What uh, overall thoughts? 
with Sheeta and Britt Baker. I mean, yeah, since since Britt Baker joined AEW, you know, she joined as a good guy, and 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 since she's become this evil, terrible person, she's really found her groove. And the momentum, as you mentioned, has been undeniable from her interviews to promos to everything she does on TV. She doesn't even have to be a Thunder Rosa level talent in the ring. She just has to be decent, but be incredible in the character department. And she is all of those things. So um, I think that I think that the right person won tonight. And I, to think that she's still a bad guy is not paying attention to the crowd. So I'm not exactly sure where they go next, um, but she is definitely over uh, with the AEW crowd. So I thought it was a good match. I mean, those those two beat their crap out of each other and there was some some seriously hard hits so um i don't i didn't have any issues with it and it was definitely a championship level match to me i think both ladies walked in there with something to prove like they knew they were in the spotlight and 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 to what you just said uh i, I actually thought at one point when there was uh i forget what hold it was but i remember saying to will or someone i was like i are they going to do like a stone cold Bret Hart thing here and like do like the, you know, like the double turn or something? Cause like she had started to build up the like viciousness. And then I was like, is, you know, and, and she locked Brit up and I was like, are they going to like maybe Brit taps out or doesn't tap out, but passes out or something. I really for a second thought they were going to try to do that because you're right. She is really, really over with the crowd. But uh, Tony, what do you think about this one? Man, I'm amazed at how over Britt Baker is with the crowd. I mean, uh, you can tell at the very beginning of the match, she got overcome with emotion uh, when she got into the ring. Uh, she was fighting back tears because of the crowd, how how into the interests they were and how into the match they were. I mean, the, the, the crowd was totally into the match from start to finish. And the false finishes that we got and just, just they, those ladies gave everything they had in that match. I mean, you could tell. Um, and when it finally came to an end, I mean, the right person won. I mean, uh, it's Britt Baker's time, and I'm just anxious to see what happens next. And, Will, what about you, buddy? Yeah, I mean, I agree with the, the sentiment of what everyone's saying. I think, um, you know, I, I get your concern, Gary, but I don't think there's anyone out there who's doubting the legit legitimacy of, of – uh, Sheeta's reign. I think, I mean, she has been the superstar over this past year. It's unfortunate that it hasn't been in front of full crowds like tonight was, but, you know, in the same vein, I mean, Britt Baker has spent the last year creating a superstar out of herself as well. And so for to go into this match, I mean, the, the, the deciding factor for me and, and the reason why I was convinced that, that Britt Baker needed to win was because it just would have been such a waste to stop the momentum. And especially after hearing the crowd when she came out and now they're faced with this in interesting dilemma of, do they, do they keep her, you know, this, uh, you know, devious conniving heel, or do they lean into this crowd reaction and, you know, maybe not make her a total baby face, like when she first came in to AEW, but, you know, maybe lay off a little bit and let her be kind of, just a, a sassy crowd favorite, you know what I mean? That that still still kind of has an edge to her. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they go with that from a storyline perspective and and you know her as a character. But um, I, I agree. I think the right person won. Um, 
I'm excited to see Britt Baker start her championship reign, and uh, she's going to do that with a celebration on Dynamite this week, which will be no doubt entertaining and fun to watch. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, um, the uh, next matchup was, of course, Darby Allen and Sting took on Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. I don't know what I expected out of this one, but I can tell you that coming into the match, what I didn't expect was Sting to take off that T-shirt, looking just fine as hell, and uh, he doing a, a flying body splash off of the stage onto two guys down in the ring and just uh, really keeping himself involved in the match. I expected... Uh, Darby Allen to go in and uh, wrestle for 10, 12 minutes and Sting to get a hot tag and come in and do the uh, Stinger Splash and lock somebody up in the uh, Scorpion Death Drop or the, uh, you know, the Scorpion Death Lock. But uh, no, Sting was in. And Sting was on fire. And uh, the uh, anyway, uh, Sting uh, at the end, it says... Uh, the ref ordered everyone to break their holes and told Sting has got to get back to their quarters, which, by the way, the ref, like he was paid attention to at all during this match up until this point. Darby and Ethan were slow to get up. Both tagged out. Sting and Sky faced off. Sting threw some punches. Sky kicked Sting's leg. Sting pounded his chest, whipped Sky into the corner. Sky avoided a Stinger splash. Sky went for a cutter, but Sting hit the Scorpion death drop, and the crowd popped big. Three and one-quarter stars from Wade Keller. He says, wow, Sting looked 15 years younger suddenly. I suspect he has worked really hard to get into great shape. He was reasonably careful about the spots he took part in and the bumps he took, but I don't think anyone watching thought he did anything but go all out. He hit his signature spots and mannerisms. Sky and Ethan were great in the Miz and R-Truth or Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode type of role as the heels who were just there to bump like crazy and make it all the more satisfying with the baby faces one. Uh, so that was Wade Keller's analysis. And uh, I got to throw it to Tony first. It's, uh, you're over there just proudly displaying a Sting shirt. How'd you feel during this Man, matchup? This little Stinger right here was just popping through the whole match. I mean... <laughs> Sting coming out that that whole uh, the the uh, showing Darby uh, on his skateboard at the beginning uh, and Sting driving the car that was amazing I love that uh, and timed it just right for them getting to the you know their entrance um, the crowd was totally in this thing you could hear it I mean uh, you know I know that you know Sting you know was there to put over you know Darby Allen but but that moment tonight with uh, Sting coming out in that crowd. Um, him finally getting that reaction that he deserved, you know, and, and, uh, I just thought the match was great. Um, that scary moment when, uh, uh, Ethan page threw Darby Allen into the crowd and his leg popped on that guard. Oh my God. Oh, I that noticed sound, that too. That sound. Oh my gosh. I thought, I thought I'm glad he got up and, and was walking after that. Um, but that was an amazing, uh, spot right there. But, uh, the ending, you know, when, um, you know, Sting tried to give it to Darby to, you know, to finish it off, but um, Scorpio wasn't having it. Um, but then when Sting came back in and the way he tra uh, got into the Scorpion death drop with Scorpio, that was awesome. I, I was I stand up, I was standing up and clapping. I mean, I was trying not to spoil it for anybody, but I was excited. So that was definitely a, a good match for tonight. Will, I'll throw it to you next. I know you're a little Stinger at heart too. Yeah, I mean, man, this was uh, Sting is 62 years old. 
just so everybody knows. 62 years old. And and I know they talked about it, but the last time he wrestled, you know, in front of a full live crowd like that was 2015 at, at WrestleMania. And I remember being disappointed, you know, with that WrestleMania match that he, you know, I mean, it was obvious that he was he was at like half capacity. You know what I mean? And you never want to see like legends and, and people that you've grown up looking at. That was not the case tonight, man. Like, I agree with that assessment that he looked like he was 15 years younger. He looked like he was far more prepared for this than he was, you know, for his little WWE run back in 2015. Um, I mean, this was the sting that I would have expected, you know, when I was a teenager. Um, he can go, man. And, and, you know, obviously he probably can't go every week. But if he can do that, you know, every every couple of pay-per-views or something like that, then that's a great investment for AEW. And that was one of the questions that we had when, you know, when Sting signed with AEW. So I think it was great. And I mean, you know, obviously the other three guys involved in this match uh, get a ton of that credit as well, just for making it a great match and making it interesting and uh, everything. But I love that Sting got the pin. Um, I love that Darby Allen was just all over the place and crazy. And before the bell even rang, he was diving through the ropes and, and attacking, you know, Scorpio and, and Ethan. And um, what a great match, man. Just a great fast paced match that, that felt really good. I loved it. It's a, it's a weird combination between the two guys because, uh, and I, and believe me, I, I I'm all for the bromance between the two of them, but uh, it's, it's when Sting came back, he was, he was coming off. He, you mentioned WrestleMania, but he also had that match with Seth Rollins, uh, where he got injured, and then he was suffering from like spinal stenosis, which is like a dangerous thing for you to have, especially at your at his age. And uh, and then so when he came back, nobody expected him to be in a match. And then it was like, okay, he'll be in a match. It'll be a cinematic match. And then now this time around, they're like, no, not even cinematic. He's going to be in the ring, and people are like, okay, he'll be. We get it. He'll be in the ring, quote unquote. But, uh, you know, and then Sting is flying around the ring and just taking bumps and doing everything that you didn't expect. To and it it actually kind of helps him, I think, a little bit uh, because you feel like he's supposed to be fragile, but he is not acting like a man who's fragile. And then on the other side of it, you got uh, Darby, who is... Uh, I think somebody in our Discord, maybe it was Miles, said, uh, wrestles like he's ready to die. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so uh it's an interesting combination but front row i'm just curious what your thoughts are on that tag team match so i'll be the negative nancy <laughs> okay. um i i agree with everything you guys are saying about sting and his performance he looked incredible he far exceeded most most of our expectations um i was super impressed with everything he did but i felt bad for darby i mean he got the crap kicked out of him um, nothing about that match was built to enhance uh, or to elevate a new talent like him, and he didn't win the match. Um, to me, that match was built as if we did. If we didn't, we take the name Sting out of the match. It was built to elevate the guy who won the match, but he doesn't need that. So I would have liked to have seen Darby actually get the pin or the submission um, and get some offense in, because really I saw Darby just get beat up and sting win the match. That's kind of what the summary of what was for me. Hmm. That's an interesting take. I mean, I can definitely see that. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess I didn't feel personally like Darby lost anything in this one. Um, that, you know, that's, 
that's the story of most Darby Allen matches. He comes out on top at the end after he gets beat around a little bit. So, um, but yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. I don't know. Uh, did you guys have any thoughts on that? Will or Tony? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I'm probably too biased cause I'm so much of a sting fan that that was just my main focus. And so there may be an element of them wanting to lean into that a little bit. I mean, AEW is, um, you know, in terms of the mainstream promotions, they're uh, tipping their cap a lot more to, to history. Um, and they, I think they want to show that they can use legends in a good way, as opposed to WWE a lot of times who uses them as novelty acts and things like that. So, you know, just the same thing we were mentioning with Christian in the Battle Royale. Um, but I, I feel like in this case, because of, of and again, I'm biased, my, my preference is in there, but I feel like Sting uh, getting the win, I think in the long run, it's going to help Darby. I think we're going to see more of them and it's going to not be the case all the time. It's not Darby's not going to be in Sting's shadow forever, but I felt like because of the prolonged absence and things like that, maybe they felt like they needed to, to kind of reshine Sting a little bit and show everyone that like, Hey, he's still legit. Um, so that when Darby does step out from behind his shadow, it's, it's a little more impactful. So again, long-term storytelling. So just got to keep the faith on that. Right. Yeah. I, I get what front row was saying. Uh, you know, uh, even I, you know, I was like wondering why Sting got the pin, but I understood, you know, the, the, the crowd was so into the match. I don't think it to them. I don't think it really mattered, but I understand what uh, front row was saying about wanting to see Darby get, get the pin, you know, cause Darby, it, it, you know, it's about getting Darby and, uh, the other two guys, you know, up to that level, and Sting that Sting really doesn't need it, but but I, I'm not arguing about anything about it. I mean, it, you know, I think, uh, you know, what happened happened, you know, and uh, I believe I, I agree with what Will's saying about long-term storytelling. We'll see what happens in the future. All right, well, uh, we'll move right along to Kenny Omega with Don Callis versus Orange Cassidy versus Pac AEW World's Heavyweight Championship match. The uh, <clears throat> so this match went 27 minutes, so it was quite a long match. I think everybody kind of walked into this one. I, I don't know if this was the hottest world title, it might have been the least hot world title match they'd ever announced. Uh, I mean, maybe I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm misrepresenting here, but it, it did feel like it just kind of popped up out of nowhere. There was not like a hot feud built up for it, and then they just kind of made their little path and got into it. But the match itself. Turned out pretty incredible, uh, you know, just all over the place, like back and forth stuff, just near fall after near fall. It was crazy. The, But let's get to the finish because the finish of this matchup is that uh, here's the last paragraph of, of what Keller says. He says, Cassidy climbed to the top rope, but Omega yanked his shoes. Cassidy headbutted Omega three times to knock him to the floor. He drove... He dove at Pac for a DDT. Pac countered with a brutalizer mid-ring. Omega rolled into the ring to break it up with two stops. Pac held on. Omega then hit the ref with a double axe handle. Callis tossed Omega a belt, and then he whacked Pac in the face with it. Callis threw Omega another belt, which he hit Pac with again. Callis threw Omega another belt. Fans chanted, bullshit. Pac stood, and Omega whacked it with another of his belts. Omega said, there is one more. Callis handed it to him. Shivani called him a chump. And told him not to disgrace the championship like that. Omega hit Pac with it. Cassidy punched Omega with an orange crush. He covered Omega. A second ref ran in and began to count. Omega countered into a crucifix. 
for the win. Your winner was Kenny Omega to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, here's the interesting part. Wade Keller does give this match four and three-quarter stars. Uh, But his analysis says this. Until the last three minutes of this match, the crowd was 100% behind the match, AEW as a company, and they could have done a straight-up finish, stop the show, and it would be a leading contender by a mile for the show of the pay-per-view of the year. Then they went into this convoluted finish with Omega using his belts as weapons with Pac ridiculously standing over and over after taking belt shots to the head and followed by an orange crush punch, supposedly being enough to knock out Omega. It was exciting, fun, dramatic, but they did not need to go this far. I didn't hate it myself, but I did sense that it took the wind out of the sails of the fans who were just into the crazy hard-hitting top-shelf battle up until that point and that have been totally content with Omega pinning Cassidy with the crucifix without the sequence with the belt shots. It almost felt designed to give Callus something significant to do or else it was meant to just pile heel heat on Omega. In that sense, I guess it worked because great matches like that can get fans cheering Omega. And that's clearly not what, not what AEW wants, nor should they. But you don't want them to start resenting overbooking finishes, especially when it was completely unneeded in this situation. That caveat noted, what a great match, great state-of-the-art athleticism, and they managed to make it seem like Cassidy was on the verge of ending Omega's reign. Um, So that is where Wade Keller landed, and I guess I'll throw to you, Will. We'll go to you first. What did you think about all of this, and how do you line up with Keller there? Uh, I line up with that pretty spot on i mean the the match as a whole was amazing i mean all through the match man i i was i went into it like you i'm like you know not a ton of build up not a ton of uh buy-in no pun intended to to the story but it is a world title match so we'll give it a shot and man those three guys were putting on a show for yeah three quarters of that match and i was just like man this is great and then, yeah, all the shenanigans there at the end kind of kind of ruined it, you know. And, you know, my thing is, like, if you want to – you can accomplish the same purpose. I get that, you know, maybe they don't want the, the, the crowd chanting Kenny Omega at the end of the match because you're supposed to hate him. But you can accomplish that without <laughs> – I was thinking the same thing when Pac kept get, getting up to get hit in the face with the belt. I'm like, what in the world? Any other match, you get hit with the belt and you're out for like 15 minutes. Like the match is over at that. Just pin him. You know what I mean? You're, you're not getting up. So that was a little weird. And then uh, – but, I mean, if you want to accomplish that same effect, just have Kenny steal the pin, right? Like just – but do it cleanly. Uh, have, you know – Pac go, you know, beat up Orange Cassidy and beat him to a pulp. Again, no pun intended. And as soon as he's going for the pin, maybe Don Callis pulls out Pac or something and Kenny gets the pin. Like, I know that's not completely clean, but it's not as convoluted as the ending we got. And, you know, you you get the hate that you want for Kenny, but you don't, you know, disappoint the fans and have them chanting, this is bullshit. I mean, there's a fine line there between let's let's have him – but, you know, we want the crowd to to boo the heel, not the company. You know what I mean? And I think they went a little too far with that. Right. Tony, I see you nodding along. You agree with that? I agree. Uh, you know, on paper, I mean, you don't see Orange Cassidy being the world champion. But during that match, hearing those fans behind him, 
in those false finishes, I could tell, I could see if Orange Cassidy won that belt. I mean, it it, it would make sense. Um, but uh, uh, I agree with what Will said. I mean, the, the ending of the match ruined it for me. I mean, it was exciting all the way up until the belt shots. And, and you know, to me, that just discredits those, those championships. I mean, to use them in that way, all of them in that way. You know, when he's supposed to be the belt collector and, uh, you know, Bully had made reference to, you know, uh, on Busted Open, <clears throat> talking about how Kenny's not carrying the belts like he should. He's just kind of letting the, the lackey carry him or whatever. Um, and after Bully had said something about it, you noticed Kenny kind of carrying the belts, you know, wrapping them around him or whatever. But to me, you know, using the belts like that as weapons, it just it, it didn't do it didn't do them any favors as far as putting some uh, respect on all those belts, um, in my opinion. So other than that, um, you know, it was it was an exciting match, in my opinion. Front row. I loved everything about this. I thought this was this accomplished so many things. Um, we already knew Pac was great. We always knew already knew Omega was great. This match reminded us that Orange Cassidy is great and can legitimately be a contender for the World Heavyweight Championship. And at multiple points in this match, we truly believed he was going to win, not through some like slipping on a banana, banana peel, but like he was legitimately going to win. I loved it. Um, but the finish, I get what I get what you're saying about the finishes. But when you have a crowd chanting F you Don and you have people hate Kenny Omega that much, I genuinely think that when they say leave him wanting more, the sympathy that they built for Orange Cassidy tonight, and granted they have to pull the trigger at some point, like they have to capitalize on this, but I think they accomplished a great deal tonight. The other two guys were already made. They didn't need anything else. And I just think that the storyline, which for me, this wasn't even the match that I was looking forward to. It turned out to be one of my favorite matches of the night and specifically how the paper, uh, how the match ended and how the story is going to continue. Cause they could have just had a clean finish and Kenny moves on to the next thing. But now I want to see orange and Kenny in a one-on-one -on -one in a cage. I don't care where they have a match, but to me, I, I thought they did a lot in this match. Poor Pac. Just sitting out there. I mean, the guy in the middle, uh, in the in the in the cutaways they did of him, he did more push-ups during those than I've done in my whole entire life. And he just uh you know, then he he's he's left out of that finish. It's too bad for him. Also, I by the way, it made me kind of like think like Aubrey, are you working with Kenny? Like she just like ran right out there to like catch that last final pin. But uh anyway. It just that's a side note. I, I I'm with these guys. Like I, I think uh, that the you know the finish was a little much. Like you didn't need to to dance around and hit Pac in the face so many times. But I will say that I didn't hate it that that much. Like I I, I thought the match overall worked. Uh, so and you're right. I mean they were chaining Fu Don at the end. So maybe that's what they were looking for. All right, the final match of the night, the co-main event, Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle Stadium Stampede. If the Inner Circle loses, they have to uh, disband, uh, which I hated that step. But anyway, 
the uh, last paragraph of Keller's review says Spears watered back onto the field. Guevara rammed into Spears with a golf cart. He stood on the roof of the golf cart and played to the crowd. They roared with cheers. He pursued Spears into the ring with a chair. Spears picked him up, but Guevara slippery and kicked him. Guevara springboarded Spears, but Spears knocked him out of midair with a chair. He scored an earfall. Spears measured another chair shot and milked the moment. He said... He- he should have stayed down. He hit Guevara, who raised his forearm to try to block most of it. Spears scored a near fall. Ross said he believes Spears is a somewhat unbalanced man. Guevara came back, though, with a GTH. He threw off his jacket. Then he kicked Spears' face into the chair Spears had wedged, oh, that Spears had wedged into the corner. Guevara climbed on the top rope, landed a 630 centon, scored the three count. One, two, three. The winners, the inner circle. And, uh, Keller's analysis says uh, he did not give a star rating for this. Uh, He just says that was a mix of good and bad. And I'm really curious to see how polarizing that match was. The stadium stampede and small segments viewed in isolation would have been good, but it was ambitiously long and lacked that key ingredient. The rest of the show had, which was that rapidly enthusiastic crowd. They might've saved it by making sure some key spots occurred back in front of fans who stayed around patiently watching on the big screen. Guevara beating Spears was the predictable finish that Spears is the most expendable. And it was a scene that elevated Guevara to another level. I enjoyed most aspects of stadium stampede and it veered into being too cute for its own good. Only a few times. Um, and then he gives his final thoughts here. I'll just throw in there. He says, coming in at just under four hours, the show flew by the finish of the AEW world title match and the self-indulgent length of stadium stampede might be marks against it. That said, double or nothing collectively will be remembered for years for many reasons. The first true packed house with high energy coming out of the pandemic and some truly great matches and performances. Uh, so I don't totally agree with him about stadium stampede. I had fun with it personally. Um, I thought that it was not the obvious finish. I mean, I thought I could see what he's saying about Spears being the guy who takes the fall. I can't see that one. I did not predict Guevara. I thought there would be some Jericho, more Jericho and MJF at the end. And this goes back to what you guys have said a few times about using the veterans properly that uh, Guevara or that Jericho stayed out of this, like kind of at the end and let Guevara shine. And I thought it was a rock star making performance by Guevara and that this guy just, you know, he just, he did go to another level here. Guevara is now at that higher tier of AEW talent, but I'm curious what you guys think. Uh, Tony, I'll throw to you first, buddy. I absolutely love the spring stampede match. I thought it was amazing. I thought all the spots were, were awesome. Urban Meyer in the office, you know, letting Jericho use oh, yeah. the top to, to hit MJF on the head with it. I mean, everything, the, 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 the walk-in freezer spot, the, the, I mean, back in the ring, Going back to the ring in front of the fans and the, the roar of the crowd when they came back was amazing. And um, I thought that it was fitting that uh, Sammy Guevara finished the match, got the pin, because he was the one that gave up uh, during the Blood and Guts match. That's, that a, that's match a good up. point. So, and then a fitting into the match, letting the crowd close out by singing Judas. The fade away, letting the crowd finish it off was amazing. I loved that match. I loved it. Uh, Will, I, I guess I'll throw to you. What do what, what you think? We like, we like letting Front Row come in last because he seems to be the negative Nancy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just once. He gets one, he gets one per night. He gets He's one. already taking it. 
Um, yeah, it, it, it's hard for me to assess this. It was very entertaining. I enjoyed it. Um, it. I mean, you know, in the same way that like Saturday Night Live is entertaining, but I'm, but it's not like a great piece of art. You know what I mean? But it's very entertaining and it's worth watching. Um, I think everyone involved in this match is incredible top tier competitors. Um, and, and I'm amazed at what they were able to accomplish just all over the stadium and the things that they could find and what they would do with them. And the way it was executed, in my opinion, was flawless. Um, I think everything accomplished the purpose it was supposed to, you know, in terms of like, there was no like botches or anything where you were like, oh my gosh, they shouldn't have done that. Um, and, and I think it kept my attention the whole time. I love the, the disco as I think Tony Schiavone called it. It was just a bar, but I guess it was disco for him. And, um, you know, with Conan uh, on the DJ table, uh, that was really cool to see. And I really enjoyed that. And then, um, yeah, the finish man being in front of the crowd. Uh, I didn't even think about that until they started moving that way. And then I got really excited and, um, I agree with you, Tony, man, that the finish of the crowd singing Judas, you know, we had questions about the stadium stampede being the last match in our discord. That was a hot topic of discussion, but I think we saw with that ending why, and, um, if that was, if that was what they were orchestrating, Good job, AEW. That was a great way to end the show. Um, so I enjoyed that part of it. Um, yeah, front row. Uh, I'm curious to hear your contradictory opinion. Well, no, I'm just I, I'm just kidding, front row. <laughs> according to Will, my negative Nancy counters at zero. So I'm going to have to say something positive. Um, no, and, and I was one of those people that thought that maybe this match should be in the middle of the card so they could end the show on a high note with a, a match to end the night. But because they brought the action back into this into the stadium or into the arena uh, and they're singing Judas, I mean, that ending was just, just like, as Dave LaGreca says, it moved, right? Um, <laughs> but, the, but the moments that they had throughout that, it was so wildly creative. Like everything from MJF getting dumped on his ass onto that onto that table to all the stuff and and if you think about it, when they're in those environments, there's a high probability of of actual injury because they're not in a controlled environment. So, so <clears throat> some of the stuff they did was nerve wracking. I don't know where the icicle came from, where the ice dagger came from. Maybe that was an ice dagger reference. Um, but I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, Jericho attacking MJF with Shad Khan. I popped. I thought it was really funny. Um, no, I don't have anything negative to say about it at all. I'm probably going to rewatch it because so much stuff happened. I probably missed stuff, and I wasn't looking away. Um, but it, just, it was great. I had, I had a blast watching it. Yeah, I um <laughs> the, the icicle thing. I, I I was definitely talking about that because I mean it was like one of many, not many, but a few moments where there was like actual murder threatened during the match, and I'm like, come on, guys, stop threatening! Like you're gonna kill someone in this match, and if you are, then you know it's no DQ. Bring a gun, and <laughs> I was like, you know, that Sean Spears sitting on a chair thing would be a lot less dramatic, I guess. But if Sammy walked in and just shot him in the head and pinned him one, two, three, that could have. I would have just solved it for everybody if people are going to try to start stabbing each other. But uh, anyway, that that out of the way, it didn't take away from for, from it for me because I, I thought 
there was a, a lot there. And um, and I and I'm with you, T- Tony. You brought it up and in, in front you mentioned it there and and Will that just the making your way back into the crowd. I, we I think a lot of us wondered like how what a weird way to end it. The crowd's not involved. There's all these people there, you know, but but they made up for it by that finish in in front of everyone. And then yeah, Judas hitting and everybody singing along. It 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 really rounded out the night with like just being happy that fans could be there just to have everybody singing the song all at once and and that sort of thing. That was that was cool. And uh Vince in the chat mentioning uh LAX reunion with Conan there in the uh, quote unquote disco. Um which was weird for me. That was another point I was making about like the MLW thing too. Like Conan's like a big part of MLW, but they didn't mention MLW with uh, Leo Rush. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know why I'm taking up Gary, for MLW tonight. Gary, the conspiracy theorist over here. We got to get to the bottom of this. Do was, that a was that a Conan Disco Inferno reference? <laughs> yes. Holy crap. I didn't even think about that either. Wow. Oh, just oh a lot. Gosh. There's so many like la- you're right. Now we all have to rewatch it. There's so many layers. You know what? In fact, let's do a live watch right now. Let's just uh, uh it's, no, it's only, it. what's that? What's that, honey? Oh, I gotta go. Sorry. <laughs> it's only one thirty in the morning here on the eastern uh coast. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh any final thoughts you guys wanted to throw in about double or nothing before we uh, wrap this thing up? Uh I'll just say that, you know, in light of everything we just talked about, uh you know, like I said, a hot topic of discussion in our Discord was uh, the placement of the stadium stampede. And just imagine if it was not the last thing and the last thing was the Kenny Omega match, that would not have been good. Um, and that would have almost been like having an exploding barbed wire match that didn't go off. So mm. I'm really glad that we, you know, love the stadium stampede or hate it. No matter where you you sit on that thing, I think we can all agree that the ending uh, of this pay per view was a lot better than the last one. Live crowd was great. That was that was like a shot in the arm for a lot of us. No, another no pun intended. Uh, hope you do get your shot in your arm if you can. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, I thought top to bottom it was a good pay per view. Couple of couple of rough spots, but man, what what a fun what a fun night. And then to get to come on here and talk about wrestling with with you uh fine people just a great a great way to uh continue into the holiday weekend so any anything from you guys tony or front row anything else you want to add yeah uh i've got a couple things uh the pay-per-view was amazing i thought match placement was 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 great the way they had the matches in order um i thought it was paced very well and another thing i'd like to add um, Sean Spears really showed um, more character tonight. I thought he showed amazing, like, you know, you know you're kind of seeing the pinnacle out there and you're seeing kind of Sean Spears not really getting to come out because they were talking about it on Busted Open a few episodes ago talking about how, you know, Sean Spears, you know, he's just kind of in the background. Well, I thought tonight he showed a lot of character, a lot of insanity in his character. And um, I thought it was great. And one last thing I'd like to add. How about the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, is all elite. That oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that. that. I popped hard for that. Um, yeah, you guys have been holding out on us. You didn't even tell us. That. You <laughs> guys are like best friends with Mark Henry. And then there he shows up tonight. 
And uh, so that was cool. That was really good. And we're going to get to hear more from him on uh, when, no, what day are they on now? Wednesday. No, third Tuesday. Tuesday. God, what is wrong with me? Anyway. Yeah. So we'll hear more from them on Tuesday. Um, so uh, that's, that's exciting. Yeah. And apparently he's going to be a coach. They said, um, so that's, uh, that's good news for that talent. That's the guy's got a mind for the business. And uh, obviously with busted open, um, I will say the one disappointing aspect of it for me with him is that I hope it doesn't prevent him challenging for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship at some point because he really should fight Nick Aldis. And I think they would both like that very much. So, or it, it seemed like it. I don't know. You guys are best friends. So, uh, I don't <laughs> well, I won't say that we're best friends with Mark, but we, Tony and I have had the good fortune to spend some time with him recently in Texas and then in uh, Baltimore. Um, he's an incredible human. So, and I know that he'll only add to you know, the, the wealth of knowledge that they have over there in AEW. It's just up to the talent to take advantage of it, right? Um, but for the pay-per-view, sometimes I'm critical of AEW giving us pay-per-views that don't make sense. And tonight, it seemed like a lot of stuff got fixed. I felt like the match placement, it was a balance of exciting, chaotic, ridiculousness. But then we had prize fighting. Specifically, the two women's matches were excellent, you know, excellent championship matches so to me it was a good blend and a good balance um it was it was to me it was worth the money um I, i'm very excited to see serena deeb defend next week um against uh, <laughs> we'll wait and see how that goes uh, but the number one contender uh for the nw women's world champion and um i just i had a lot of fun and it being on a memorial day weekend means we don't have to get up early so it was a fun night of wrestling on uh on a non-work day for us anyway. So thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. Yes. Oh man. Thank you guys from the nation show. Yeah. You guys check out the nation show and uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're big fans of what you guys do already. And uh, so this has been an honor for us as well to like team up and, and talk about AEW and uh, you guys made some great points tonight. So it's uh, added a lot to our analysis. So this has been a bonus for us. Thanks for showing up on our channel and boosting us. So uh <laughs> It's, uh, <laughs> we appreciate you sacrificing your time, but, uh, will anything else you wanted to add before we wrap this thing up? Uh, no, don't think so. Uh, just stay tuned to all our socials at TIPW show. Uh, we'll be, um, keeping close tabs on NWA this week to see, uh, what's going on and moving towards the pay-per-view next weekend. Uh, so definitely stay tuned to all of our social channels for that. All right. And uh, Tony, front row, you guys want to promote your stuff or where you're at online for people to find you? Yeah, I am uh, at WWE Front Row and we are at BO Nation Show. And Tony? I am at, at Tony Adams 1975 on Twitter. And I uh, just, uh, you know, appreciate all the, um, appreciate you having us on the show tonight. I loved it. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. And yeah, we are at TIPW Show on all the socials. And, uh, yeah, if you haven't done it already, hit subscribe. We'd love to have you. We're also on the podcast feed. This will go up on there tonight if I don't fall, fall asleep first. And uh, all right. And uh, so anyway, until next time, everybody, enjoy your gravy cake.